Welcome back to About Learning with me, Stan Pinsent. In the last episode, I spoke to my colleague Alberto about parents and the effect they have on their child's academic performance. The general trend is that it's good when parents feel invested in their child's learning. Of course, this can only go so far. Most children spend more time in the classroom than they do with their family. School is where they get their education and it's a big part of their lives. So what can you do when school isn't working? Today I speak to Jo Gunning. Seven years ago, Jo decided to take her children out of school and educate them at home. Going into this interview, I know nothing about homeschooling. I have all the same questions that most people have. Do the parents have to spend all day teaching their kids? Isn't it unfair to take away the chance for children to mix with their peers and make friends? Do children miss out from having subject specialist teachers? What about exams? Let's see what Joe has to say. Hi Joe, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. That's a pleasure. So you've decided to home educate your children. When did you make that decision and why? So uh, my daughter finished primary education uh, seven years ago and wasn't in a great place. It had not really served her in many ways. And um, she was in a bit of a mess mentally, emotionally, um, but also the system kind of made her look very stupid. She didn't really learn in that environment. And so um, she kind of came across as someone who was not very capable. Um, she was also bullied quite a lot. So there were so many things about it that were against her. And um, we got to this point where we were like, what on earth are we gonna do? Cause carrying on felt like it could be quite damaging for her. So at that point, um, it was actually a friend of mine who's a, a psychologist and she, she's actually the head of CAMS, which is the children's psychology unit in Hereford. And she said, why don't you get in touch with a home education support officer? in Hereford um, and I said well I didn't even know there was one so anyway we rang up this woman a really lovely lady and she had lots of conversations with her and then she came over and met Elsie and we talked about all the issues that Elsie had and she said you know I think she'd be perfect for home education and it was kind of like a bit of a breath of fresh air because I hadn't even considered home ed and I hadn't really I didn't really even know about it particularly but it suddenly seemed like an option for Elsie at that point where she was at such a low ebb and we needed to do something to kind of, uh, you know, break the mold that she seemed to be going in. So that was um, seven years ago. She's now 17. Um, and yeah, that was how we started. So she's been learning with you at home for seven years. You've got another child as well. Yeah, Fred. Has he yeah. been at school? He, so he came out of school soon after Elsie, actually, because we, we kind of started out, started doing lots of research and started feeling like, actually, although Fred wasn't in such a bad way, it wasn't, there were elements of it that weren't really working for Fred either. I, th I think it was probably about six months later. Um, and then Fred joined Elsie. Um, and then in... So he did three and a half years. And then in year nine, he decided to go back into school. Um, went back into school for a couple of years until lockdown. 
had a great time actually and was like a, a very enthusiastic learner because he'd been out for a while the, the teachers loved him and then he he's actually doing his GCSEs from home this year and then going back into the sixth form so he's been in and out a bit more and Elsie's been out since end of year six. So it sounds like it might have been a steep learning curve you basically went from not even considering home education to suddenly you had to teach two children at home what were the kind of big lessons that you learned? Well I think the first lesson was that it wasn't my job to teach them and that was quite a, a, le a massive letting go um, you know through various research well there, there's a book um, that I read quite near the beginning called Free to Learn um, by Peter Gray and he he's an amazing writer she's really if you're ever yeah interested in anything to do with home education really worth a read but he was very he talked a lot about the fact that enforced education can actually kill the natural desire to learn and that actually children naturally want to learn they just want to learn. They want to suck in all the information and all the excitement of life. And particularly if they, you know, get to know what they're genuinely interested in, they just want to learn in the same way as a toddler wants to walk. They want to walk. They're, you don't say, right, you put your foot there, you put your foot there. You just nudge them along a bit and you hold their hands and before you know it, they can walk. And in, in exactly the same way, human beings want to learn. Um, and school forces that upon people and my job as a home educating parent wasn't to do the same at home I was not going to start forcing them to do anything and that was really scary like really scary and people probably thought I was completely bananas but there was a part of me that just wanted to step back and say let's just watch these kids for a while and let's see what they would naturally do if they could do anything they wanted um and so for a while we did that that's what we did hmm. i mean like that, that it must be terrifying i know from my perspective as a teacher you know you're brought in to teach a class and you're somewhat accountable for how the class do at the end of the year hmm. so when you have children who are disengaged they don't like your subject say it's your mission to make sure that they perform anyway and when you've yeah. got like a short-term goal of just a few weeks or a few months you don't even think, oh, I need to wait till this child wants to learn. You just, as a teacher, you have to make them fall in line. So you hold them accountable for doing homework. You make them study. You make them revise. And, um, you, you know, often you get results, short-term results. But you still usually end up with a child who doesn't like your subject, doesn't feel compelled to learn. And I guess, yeah, in, in some instances, you're just slowly crushing their curiosity because you're yeah. telling them do this do that and you're not giving them the joy of discovering it by themselves or choosing to do it so i can definitely see i can see the mechanism by which we can kill creativity kill curiosity mm. in schools and it, mm. it comes maybe from a it comes maybe from a good intention which is like we, we want all children to, to fulfill their potential so we want them all to work hard and, and learn every year Mm. but we almost maybe miss the wood for the trees because what's more 
valuable than say an 11 year old who who knows this and knows that is an 11 year old who loves learning and is excited about all the opportunities available in education and mm. we often we often we're very happy with the former and don't even consider that we have the power to create the latter i guess there's still a lot of questions you know if your child doesn't like reading say and you don't make them read well they could end up not being fully literate so what happened basically with your children did they end up loving learning well it was you know it was a roller coaster in many ways because they had spent a lot of years in that kind of forced learning setup um so in one of the terms they, they talk about in home education is unschooling. And unschooling, I, I sometimes get a little bit confused about what this really means, but my understanding is that a, a child that's been in the system needs a period of unschooling where you literally just step back because what you're trying to do is just get that child back into what, what is, where is their natural curiosity? Where does it lie? And you want to give them a bit of time, not saying, right, let's come and let's do some maths, let's do some English, so that they can just start to sort of feel their way into themselves and almost go like really back into who they, who they are as people, not as learning machines, and what, what actually makes them tick. And um, I, I genuinely think that it, it, reading particularly and writing is something that they will naturally mind naturally gravitated towards they're not brilliant writers as in spelling and my, my daughter has just actually managed to get a seven in her GCSE English which she was really blown away by and I think part of her skill as a writer is that she's just very authentic and natural and she writes from the heart so with the creative writing elements of the GCSE She'll manage to bring it into her own experience. And, and I think that's, she would never have been able to do that. I know categorically she wouldn't have been able to do that had she been at school being forced to learn English. Mm. She had quite a few years off formal English. We didn't, I think about three years. And then we found an IGCSE English course written by a woman called Catherine Mooney. I read her stuff and maybe fed back a bit and helped her with spellings. And, but it was, it was driven by Elsie and now mm. she's ended up with this seven, which is a real, real moment for Elsie, particularly in school. She was made to feel very, very stupid around English and she assumed that she was. Mm. And this seven has kind of maybe made her think, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not quite as stupid as I thought I was. That's, I really like that image of Elsie working her way through the curriculum and you're really just there as a, almost like a, a supervisor. Yeah, um, or something yeah because yeah. I'm definitely guilty of being very ignorant about home education and especially when I think of homeschooling which I notice is a phrase you're not using I'm thinking oh a parent with a little whiteboard at home with one or two kids like sitting in little desks and of course that's not what it's like that, that is basically school in miniature and the whole yeah. point is to avoid these <laughs> trappings of a school and I, I'd hope ultimately sort of make the student make the child more independent and so that they don't actually need an adult telling them what to do all the time. I'm sure it's very time consuming educating your children, but it's not like you're in a room with them all the time, making sure they're working. That's just not feasible and also not desirable. 
No, not at all. Everything around them is is education. Everything. I mean, you you start to like with unschooling, you start thinking, well, you realize at the end of the day, they've done so much that you could call education. Mm. I mean, one of the things that Elsie, at the end of her primary education, she was, she'd lost her voice. That was the, the heartbreaking thing. She did, it was almost like she, she'd say to me things like, I just don't know what to say. Well, I, 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 she just, it was almost like she'd kind of, she, she'd lost her ability to express herself. And so at the beginning, I used to just, we, we live in the Malvern Hills and I used to just take her onto the hills and talk and we, and just gradually try and find her voice again in nature. Mm. And for me, that was so much more valuable than sitting, trying to get her to read some kind of English book. It was like, she needed to learn to speak before she could even engage in you know, writing or, or learning grammar or how to spell various words. So, and that time was just so amazing. I mean, we're obviously blessed to have the hills, but just to take her into nature and talk. Mm. That for me was the, the English we needed to do for the first two or three years. But wow, she can talk, she can mm. express herself. She's got incredible ideas, um, mm. a very independent thinker. And um, the transformation in that area came through not through sitting looking at books and and had she carried on sitting in the classroom looking at books I think I'd still be trying to eke her voice out now. One question I'm sure people would have is um, your children might want to let's say go to university so that they can pursue the career and the ambitions they have so they might have to go back into you know normal mainstream education do you ever worry that you're not able to sort of give them the the rigor in all the subjects that they need to sort of jump through those hoops and get into institutions? Uh, I have been concerned about that at certain points, definitely. But it was very interesting with Fred, having had three and a half years out of education, he went into um, the local secondary school into year nine. And he literally, <laughs> he made such an impression in that school. It was absolutely brilliant to watch him he because he, he's very creative and um he did music drama and dance but he went in so passionate that he just kind of wowed everyone and he got involved in everything and he, he, he fitted right back into that institution and the issue for Fred was that he was having to do 10 GCSEs most of which he was uninterested in and so by the end of the second year of being there he was getting more and more disheartened and what was interesting was that his natural passion for learning was diminishing after like two years because he was he was doing the sciences were of very little interest in him. He was having to do history, he was having to do French, um, English literature, he wasn't very interested in. So kind of, you know, 60% of what he was doing, he was really not interested in at all. The, the things that you actually need to go on to sixth form, for example, you need five GCSEs, you don't need 10. You need five so he's going to get his five and he'll go on and and I know that he'll fit straight straight back in again. Elsie's slightly different and we're not sure she's interested in going to college in September but she's very scared about it because she has got slightly more issues in the, the sort of mental health area and so we're working on that and obviously time will tell. Um, 
Elsie's best friend, who's also home educated, you know, she's done three GCSEs already. She's a bit younger than Elsie. And um, she's an unbelievably self-motivated learner like you have never seen. I mean, she is just so passionate. She's written a novel as well in her kind of home ed years. I mean, she's incredible. So I've sort of witnessed both sides probably. Uh, other kids that seem to flail around and need more, maybe need more structure and direction. And I think I need to say at this point, I'm, I have massive admiration for teachers and and certain aspects of schools, but I feel for the teachers because I feel that they're forced into this situation where they have to kind of, um, you know, run very specific curriculums and achieve results. And there's lots of pressure because of the SATs and people looking at the results and it's all about the results, results. Mm. And that's changed in fairly recent years. Now they've almost shrunk the box of learning to make it, about this kind of academic achievement, yeah. which for a massive percentage of kids is so irrelevant. They're never going to be academics. And, and then you end up with huge mental health issues, like rising, rising mental health issues, because a lot of children are made to feel kind of wrong and stupid. And, and they're not actually, a lot of children aren't designed to sit down for long periods of time. And then they get the label ADHD, because that, that, they're not designed to do that. They're actually mm. probably designed to run around fields and I don't know, who knows what. <laughs> That's probably a really bad bit. You can edit that, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I would maybe not agree that academic success is only important if you want to be an academic. You know, I think, um, I think probably academic or like higher level thinking is more important now than ever because there's fewer manual jobs and so on. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I think that that current education is fit for purpose. Mm. You know, I don't think that all of the stuff on the maths, the GCC maths curriculum is useful, especially if that's the last maths education you do. Is it really necessary that you learn to solve a quadratic equation? Is it really necessary you learn to make a stem and leaf diagram, which I've never, ever seen in real life, just in this GCC syllabus. So I think there are a lot of questions about what's in the curriculum, but I still think that academic thinking is quite a valuable skill. I think we perhaps value knowledge too much for its own sake in schools. And we should be thinking about, you know, what kind of mindset, what kind of thought process is valuable, what kind of thinker, what kind of learner do we want people to be when they leave school? So I perhaps say broadly, we're too knowledge focused in schools and we should be thinking about what kind of what kind of young person we're looking to grow. I agree with that. And I, I agree that academic thinking is, is also important. And I, I, and I think that a lot of home educated kids uh, become academics. So it doesn't rule that out, if you know what mm. I mean. But I, I agree. And I think I think that exploring the depths of knowledge that are out there is mm. important for, for anyone that's interested in that. I'd like to hear about Elsie's mathematical journey because you mentioned this uh, recently. I often have students in maths who they just don't seem to engage and they don't seem to get better, significantly better year after year. So you mm. find you know, students who had five years of maths in secondary school and you look back and think, wow, they still can't multiply fractions. And we did that in year seven. Now they're in year 11 and I'm teaching it again. What, what is going on? 
So mm -hmm. uh, there's definitely this feeling in my subject that a lot of students, you put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, they seemingly do the work, they struggle, but they do the work every year, years and years of effort, and not much to show for it. So what was Elsie's experience with maths? So yeah, so Elsie, again, um, really struggled with maths at school. And when she started home education, you know, we did start trying to do bits of maths. And um, it always ended up in this awful, massive upset. You know, she just would go into kind of a panic and completely switch off. She, she like had switched off to maths. It, it, it was almost like it was a trauma for her. So <clears throat> after a while we said, look, we just need to lay off the maths. This is not working. Um, we need to give her a break from it. And, um, and we did give her a break. And actually the break ended up going on for, for a number of years and in the back of my mind I, I panicked regularly thinking oh my god we really should be doing some maths with this girl what are we doing how on earth are you ever going to get a GCSE maths at the beginning of what would have been year 12 we decided um, to, to really start going for the maths again kind of properly and she, a friend of mine tutored her for six months and she actually took to it really quite well. She, it, she decided she wanted to do it. She was interested in going to college. She knew she'd have to get it. So she really put herself into these uh, maths lessons and then the work in between and made some really good progress. And then the first lockdown happened and it kind of upset Elsie massively and she kind of stopped for a while. The lesson stopped and she stopped. And then we went on holiday in August. When we got back, she started again. So she'd done the six months. She's had a few months off. She started again doing maths solidly for two months, completely self-driven. She became like this maths maniac. She just went over and over and over and over and over and over everything. And my husband, Tim, is quite good at maths. He's got A-level maths. So he kind of helped her when she got stuck. She used Conquer Maths, which is a, a, a online maths teacher thing, lessons that you can go over and over. And she went for it and then she did foundation math. She did the GCSE and she was like, oh, I don't know. Anyway, she ended up getting a five, um, which was, that's the highest she can get with foundation and was over the moon. And that was literally probably eight months of proper maths in six years. It's extraordinary. <laughs> that's really, really made me question uh, the way we approach some, some students when it comes to math education. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, we were in the position where we had one child and she could put all her time into it. And, it, and school is so different because you're doing so many subjects with home education. You have that kind of flexibility. You know, I know a lot of home ed kids who've done incredibly well in GCSEs, um, partly because when they do them, they really want to do them. And partly because they have got the flexibility to say, I'll do two now and I'll do two, like Elsie's really good friend did two like a year early and then did another one. And then, so there's a flexibility. So I've got a couple more big questions for you. One reason people perhaps discount home education is because they think school, you know, it's excellent opportunity to socialize and just learn how to be um, a young person. So when you take somebody out of school, they're missing out on making friends, uh, and having what we think of as a normal childhood. So do you think your children have missed out? And do they get opportunities to socialise? Yeah, it's, it's a very 
it, it, they call it the S question in home education, the socialization question, because obviously it is one that um, people get asked an awful lot. And um, what you find with home education, I think, you know, you have to be very proactive um, to find your, your, your group, if you like. And it took us a little while, but we got very involved in a local home education community and ended up doing like quite a lot of projects. This was in the early days. More recently, it's been much more focused on getting these GCSEs. And, um, but so for example, there, there was a, a well dressing thing that happens in Malvern where all the springs get dressed um, and we had a small group of home education kids who um, we took on one of the wells and we did that every year. We did a massive project at the Three Counties show. It's a big garden show in Mulvans, quite famous. And there, there was a school garden project. And one of our home ed mums, who's a horticulturist, kind of headed up the project. And there was probably about 15, 20 kids involved. And um, and we had regular meetings and then we ended up creating this incredible garden um, based on Beatrix Potter and Beatrix Potter was home educated and one of her little quotes is I'm glad I never went to school because it would have rubbed off my originality or something like that. I can't mm. remember the exact quote. So there was about 12 different school gardens and the home edu we were called um, Three Counties Home Educators and we won <laughs> the uh, best best garden in the show for that for that category so it was it was a proud moment for home ed for, for our experience of home education which kind of spoke of the fact that you're not isolated you can be isolated you have to be proactive but you can find your community and your niche and your like-minded people who are also home educating and that's something that you know there's a lot of lot of home editors out there meeting regularly to, to make sure that their kids do have that socialization experience. Mm. Freddie was a street dancer when he was being home educated. So he was doing um, six hours a week with his street dance community. So Elsie uh, is a, a, a shy introvert, very different sort of personality, but she's got made some really lovely friends through home education, um, but also has friends outside of home education. So like life, you know, you have uh, the, the, the interesting thing for Elsie was at school, she was very isolated because she didn't fit in. So it was all well and good saying it should be a social experience. That wasn't really her experience of it. She had much more social success outside of school mm -hmm. and away from school. Um, so, yeah. Can you imagine a school that you would be happy to send both your children to? And what would it be like? I wasn't ever intending to home educate particularly. And um, I am glad that I have. If there had been a school that had given children more freedom to, to find their path and curve their way through their education, I might've considered that. Or even a school, a mainstream school that said, look, if you, if you don't wanna do 10 GCSEs, it's, it's absolutely fine and commendable to do less to do five, for example, to do them really well, and then spend your other time maybe pursuing your creative interests or just having a bit more flexibility. But, you know, it's, it's so tricky because schools are doing an amazing job 
I, I have, like I've said, I have huge admiration for schools and it, it's, it's got, they, they should be paid a lot of money teachers because they're doing one of the most important and toughest jobs out there really. Mm. And how to, how to kind of move, you know, move with the time, given that you can just say, Google, what's, give me information about this, that and the other. Surely school should be more about discussion and exploring ideas. And, you know, I think one of the things Fred found frustrated when he got back into school was that he couldn't really have big discussions. He wanted to have discussions. He did history and he wanted to discuss it, Mm. have big chats and explore the ideas but no he had to, to just kind of learn this stuff that was written on a piece you know yeah and we're, we're in such different times now information is readily available to us at a click of a little you know little press of a little button i mean i agree with so much of what you just said our relationship with knowledge is so different now we don't need to memorize stuff to get through in the world and those sort of skills about discussion, debate, collaboration, they're so much more important nowadays. I think there's a difficult balance to strike because I agree that giving students more freedom is really, really important. But one thing schools are doing quite well compared to historically right now is making all kids aspirational in some basic sense. You know, having the expectation that students do 10 GCSEs it's at least saying that we think that everyone should push themselves. It's perhaps not in the right way, but there's there's millions of students out there whose parents aren't well-educated. Sometimes they do know the value of education, but they don't necessarily know how to guide their children through education. And what schools I think are getting better at is sort of yeah raising that bar for everyone that we expect everyone to, to work academically. But I think, uh, yeah, it is a very basic improvement of standards is very basic raising the bar because we we kind of lose any sense of the individual and more isn't necessarily always more if we can get everybody to think deeply and grow as an individual that's very valuable schools aren't very good at doing that and they're even worse at measuring it so what we often end up doing is ticking boxes grades on GCSEs measuring improvement statistically that way and we lose sight of who the students have become we stop caring So I think for me, there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely a balance to strike because, um, you know, you're, Freddie and Elsie are very lucky to have you and Tim, parents who are very invested in their education and have some idea of how to guide them and how to help them. I guess mm-hmm. a, a bigger question is, how could an education system do that for everybody, even those without that support at home? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big question. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you, Joe, was... What are the big misconceptions out there about home education? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, I think what the, the socialization thing is something that we, we all talked about. And that, I think that's a big misconception that people think that kids are just on their own and not, not participating in life um, socially. I think that's a big misconception. A lot of home educators get quite angry about that one. Um, I think that one of the misconceptions is that people do think that you're kind of doing school at home. And I think that 
you can't do that. You can't replicate school at home. It's a much more organic, natural process. But also that really home education is, is as different as everyone who does it because there isn't a set way of doing it. And some people will do school at home and some people definitely won't. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what, I'm trying to think what else I would say about that. Yeah, but it's probably easier to ask people who, who have never been, had anything to do with home education, yeah. what they think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, after, yeah. My, my questions really from today were all sort of coming from a, a point of ignorance. And I was sort of trying to embrace my own yeah. ignorance and think, well, I don't know anything about this. What, what do I think about? So I, I did mention, yeah, I did mention uh, socialization. And mm. um, we did talk about, you know, whether home education looks like having a little school at home, which it doesn't. Yeah 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 um, really um and i think another another misconception we've identified is that someone who's decided to home educate believes that schools are inherently wrong and i think we've established that that's not what you think you just think that schools aren't fit for purpose right now yeah well they and they weren't fit for my children so i i mean fred's when fred went back into high school you know some of the friends that he has made and he's still good friends with school seems to really work for them. And, um, you know, I, I think for some kids who, who some, I've got a good friend in the village and her daughter just loves school. She just loves it. She loves going there. She loves doing the work. She takes to it all like duck to water. She loves her friends. You know, she just has a lovely time. Mm. And actually this friend's, this, this girl's mum has been incredibly supportive of me home educating because she was a primary school teacher and she sort of really struggled with the system and, and not being able to she felt like she she almost couldn't quite nurture the, ch the children in the way that she wanted to because of the system because of the results and, and the heading for sats and you know she used to tell me all kinds of stories and but her daughter loves school and gets so much from it so you know so some some people just love it, don't they? Yeah. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, the, I suppose the the big thing for me about school that I think we we need to look hard is that mental health issues in teenagers are rising, and there's something not right if that's the case. Hmm. Um. Something's not nurturing children in the way they need to be nurtured if mental health is becoming such a big issue. Um, and, and I think the problem, you, you will have your children who take to school like Dr. Water, but you'll have a, a very large percentage of kids where that isn't the case. And because they have to go five days a week uh, for all that time, but, putting themselves into a situation that's not nurturing them in, on some level um, and is not supporting their mental health, then of course, we're gonna end up with the issues that we have. And, and, I, and for some people, home education most definitely wouldn't be the answer. It, so I, I think, yeah, it's quite, a, it's quite a big ask, home education, <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion. And um, I'm glad I've done it, but it, it's certainly not something that I would never ever suggest that anyone took on lightly hmm. 
Joe, you've answered so many of my questions and I feel like I'm much more enlightened. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's lovely to talk to you, Stan. That was Joe Gunning. Looking back, I'm struck by my own ignorance. I imagined homeschooling as a protest against state education, an expression of ideology. But for Joe, home education felt like the only way to meet her child's needs. It was difficult. She became a teacher without any sort of institutional support. And I get the impression that Joe has learned as much from the process as her children have. Just after we finished recording, Joe summarised her journey with this message. My mission with my children was to help them find their passions. Once they find their passions, they will learn. This is an idea that we've seen before on the podcast, and one that I keep seeing in the books that I'm reading. In our first episode, on radical democratic education, we explored the power of giving children freedom and letting them steer their learning in the direction that interests them. My conversation with Joe today also explored what can happen when you force children to learn. Teachers with the best will in the world can end up crushing the innate love of learning. When we value high attainment more than we value growth, we implicitly label low attaining students as stupid. When we fail to focus on building a friendly and accepting culture in our schools, many students feel excluded. Parents like Joe haven't ruled out schools, but their choice to go it alone is a sign that we're not doing well enough. I don't know any teachers who want to label children as stupid or who want to see children bullied or excluded. We've always had these failings. And the constant pressure for exam results and progress, while it stops schools slacking, blinkers us from the bigger changes we could and should be making. In the next few months, I want to explore the power of intrinsic motivation in learning. Home education can provide the space for children to decide what they believe is inherently important, but most schools do not. In fact, most of what adults do is driven by extrinsic motivation. We're looking for reward, recognition, or to avoid suffering. Is it inevitable then that children will only learn if we set up a system of incentives? Or is there another way? In the description, I've included details of two books, which Joe recommends to anybody interested in unschooling and tapping into people's passions. I'm also including a link to Parent Kind, a UK charity that aims to bridge the gap between schools and parents for the benefit of all students. As well as influencing government policy, they help schools and parents set up parent councils. If you're a parent and you think you know how your child's school could do better, check out Parent Kind. Next time, I'll be sharing a personal reflection on lessons from lockdown. Now that school life is, in many ways, going back to normal, what have I learned from the biggest disruption to schools in a lifetime? And which changes do I want to make permanent? See you then. <laughs>